Welcome to the AIM Horsemanship Podcast. From science-based horse training and behaviour to just connecting and having fun with our horses in general. I'm always learning so I hope you enjoy coming along for this horsemanship journey with me. Today I want to talk about what science tells us about the most effective and ethical ways to structure our training sessions, like how long we should be training for, how many breaks we should be having, how many how frequently, um, like I said, how many behaviours to alternate between, um, how to make things easier and harder for the horse and how to make it enjoyable so the horse will choose to train um, and in general how we should structure our training sessions, you know, like should it be an hour straight of training compared to maybe three sets of five minutes divided up by two minute breaks. Um, I do want to start by saying obviously I'm not a professional um, so I apologise in advance for any misinformation. I'm just sharing things I've learned um, and information, especially information that comes from science. I try to get from reliable sources. But um, like I say, I apologise if there is anything misinformation. Also, do want to say that, um, that like always, every horse is an individual. Um, and science is only a study of one. And um, obviously some horses will need longer sessions especially if they struggle with over arousal or um anything like that where a longer session could help decrease the motivation perhaps um or even help an anxious horse get into a more calm and relaxed state by the end of it and then jackpot there um so obviously each horse is an individual and training really has to be tailor-made for them um but yeah let's start by talking about as a general rule of thumb um what science tells us should be the best way to train our horses So as a general rule of thumb, um, we should be training our horses little and often. Obviously, that's a generalisation, but that's what's usually the most commonly effective and ethical way to train. Short training sessions could range anywhere between 5 to 20 minutes. And for a new and anxious horse, this could even mean simply touching a target and then giving them a long break before coming back in to ask them to touch a target and focus on you again before jackpotting and leaving. And for a more experienced horse, it could mean 20 minutes of more intense thinking work and then five minutes of more relaxed, familiar behaviours and then another 20 minutes of more intense work. It really does depend on the horse and what level they're at. Um, But generally, we should be training little and often and the duration of training should never really last more than five to 20 minutes before a break. Um, There are several reasons for this rule. Um, One of them is boredom. So... Around 10 to 20 repetitions um, of a new exercise is probably going to suffice. Like, um, you don't want to start drilling behaviours because, first of all, not only can that, you know, really cause that behaviour to to become the horse's default behaviour. That's why we reward, you know, stand quietly and walk beside you and stay and all that. We reward so heavily. Um, Because we want to stand quietly and relax to really become your horse's default behaviour. And if you drill a behaviour in a session, for example, if you're teaching back up and all you do is back up, reward, back up, reward, back up, reward um, and keep drilling it. um, Eventually, that's going to become your horse's default behaviour instead of standing quietly next to you. And you do want to keep a lot of variety as well um, so that you equally reinforce different behaviours, keep them all at the strength you want them. For example, you might want your stop cue to be stronger than your um, walk on cue for safety reasons. Um, So it really does depend on what you're training. Um, And as a general rule of thumb, if you're training five to five to 20 minutes, you might want to work on two to four behaviours, alternate between 
However, I will say for longer sessions, um, longer sessions don't tend to work so well with um, my horses personally. But from what I've heard, working on longer sessions, um, especially from connection training and stuff, they've mentioned working on maybe up to six behaviours in a long session. Um, and it really does depend on what you're doing. For example, if you're working on despooking, um, you may go do a despooking exercise that's maybe a bit more mentally challenging and then come back and do some more, you know, maybe physically challenging but don't require as much brain power sort of behaviours um, before returning to the more scary um and challenging behaviours that the horse may find difficult and then you can even use the familiar behaviours to reinforce the difficult behaviours for example um, for example if a horse really struggles to stand still but is good at moving then when the horse shows a really good standing still you could jackpot and then as a reward for them standing still you could um, incorporate some more movement before going back to standing still um, so they begin to realise that the, a good way to get what they enjoy is to relax and stand still because they will get to move and they won't be confined and they do have a choice. Um, also, another reason for this, other than just boredom and drilling, is actually a horse's attention span. Um, so average continuous, average continuous attention span for a horse um, is about 11.8 seconds. And that might sound very, very short, but you've got to remember that's the average continuous attention span. Um, so during a training session, they're not going to have to be continuously um, focused. Like there will be short breaks in attention. Um, for example, if you're doing a behavior, they may also know really well. They may also not need to have their full attention on that. Um, so yeah, and it's also a good reason why you shouldn't drill behaviours because the horse can just start to become really brain dead because they're, they've run out of attention, um, and they just can't do it anymore. For me, for me, it's like when, if I'm doing homework for a long period of time, I try to make sure I don't do it for so long that my attention span runs out because otherwise I just get really brain dead and I can't do it. Um, so that's why it's often a good idea to stop the session while your horse's attention span is still fresh um, and they're still motivated to carry on. This means they'll be more enthusiastic to start next time. Um, and this is also why short training sessions can really help with a horse that's under-motivated. For example, if a horse is taken out of their field and ridden traditionally for an hour a day, they're not going to be the most enthusiastic to be caught. Unless, of course, that ridden time is the only enrichment they get. Um, if they don't have a species specific environment then that can be problematic and that's a welfare issue in itself um, however if the horse is taken out of their field twice a day for um three twice a day for two 15 minute training sessions but they're all in five minute lumps broken up with little breaks in between um then obviously after each five minute thing the horse is going to be really eager to come back into training um, and then once you put the horse back out in the field and you go back later that day for your next 15 minute training session they're still going to be on a high um you know what I mean like they're still going to be like feeling happy and have the memory of their last training session being really fun and positive so they're going to be really enthusiastic to come back for their next one um this can obviously be a problem if you have a horse who struggles with over arousal um I've spoken a bit before about how to deal with over arousal as, as it is a problem I did face with Penny in the beginning um and I do recommend connection trainings um case study on over arousal I think they did the case study with freckles um so yeah Obviously, with a horse who struggles with over-arousal or anxiety, then longer training sessions can be helpful um, when they're not so exciting and the horse does have to focus a bit more um, and they may be 
not so I mean obviously you still want them to want to train but you don't want them to be so desperate that it's clouding their brain and that's all they can think about and they can't focus and they're getting to a dangerous state you don't want it to get that extreme so that's why it's really important to balance it and also incorporate lots of casual connection times the horse isn't always anticipating training and also make sure you're not using any um, high value rewards such as you know anything sugary or anything you would consider a treat in my opinion it's often too high value you want to get something that you would just consider to be forage um, and you can trickle feed um, is usually the most effective way in creating a balanced horse um, when it comes to training um so yeah uh obviously the ten- attention spans will vary from horse to horse for example older horses um generally have longer attention spans um another thing to take into consideration is also yourself you want to make sure you have the attention on the horse otherwise it isn't 100 percent fair if your attention spans run out and the horse is trying really hard um and you're not thinking properly or you're not creating enough variety or, or you're not realizing that the horse is actually stressed or saying no then that really isn't fair to the horse for example if the horse is showing calming signals and you're kind of tired and you don't have your full attention and you just you just kind of continue cueing them to for example line up to the mounting block and they're saying no no I don't want to be ridden and you keep cueing it and eventually they come over and you get on um you know that can really affect your relationship and it can also make riding sort of not so enjoyable and make it quite coercive especially if you increase the value of the reward for the horse doing something they don't want to do which can sometimes be effective but generally you want to change the horse's emotions around it so they no longer don't want to do it um instead of instead of simply coercing them into do it which is generally not the most ethical way of doing it in my opinion um but each their own um So yeah, humans generally have an attention span a continuous attention span that is of 12 seconds but um, you may have noticed that, like, you know, social media is getting is getting more and more snappy. It's getting more and more better at capturing our attention and giving us short, snappy bursts of information or entertainment. And then we move on and humans get bored easily. We, there's been a decrease in people watching TV and an increase in people spending more time on their phones on social media. Um, and this obviously does have an effect on our attention span Um, and science is telling us that the human continuous attention span may have actually fallen to eight seconds due to the use of um, media and social media and digital devices and stuff like that Um, so yeah that's something to take into consideration and also maybe work on your continuous attention span so that you can be more effective when it comes to training your horse and not be so sucked into quick distractions um, and things like that Obviously, it's okay to um, get distracted during a training session as long as you um, take note that you've done that and bring yourself back or end the the session when you need to in order to be fair to your horse. Um, However, the trainer's focus is often more important than the animal's focus because if the animal isn't focused um, and the trainer is, you can often, you know, make the decision to end the session or, um, or you could like, you know make a decision to change behaviors or find a way to make your horse more focused um or like I said you could just choose to you know maybe drop a flake of hay on the ground and walk away and wait for your horse to relax more and then when they are more in a in a mind state in a state of mind where they're more um focused and engaged they'll be more likely to come over to you and ask to train um However, if a horse is if the horse is focused and the trainer isn't, that's often a recipe for fr- frustration, extinction, negative punishment, um, or even can cause over arousal and stress. And it's really not not a good mix. Um, so it's really important that the trainer is present 
um, even if the trainer is focused and they're not mentally present um, or emotionally present, that can be damaging to the animal as well as it can be difficult for them to communicate um, and they can often feel shut out um, and like they find it difficult to connect, which can have an effect on relaxation and softness in behaviours and all of that. Um, so it's important that when you're structuring your training sessions, you decide when to take breaks and also make sure that you prepare your horse for these breaks and um, you don't want to be training, training and then you just walk away because um, this obviously the training's really reinforcing and just walking away would be negative punishment um the willing equines done an episode on this before and they said it would be like you know you're sat down you're having a conversation with your friend um and you're talking talking and the conversation's really fun and reinforcing and then suddenly the friend just gets up and just walks away mid-conversation um and then comes back and starts talking again um and then just as you're getting into a really enjoyable conversation they just stand up and walk away again obviously you're going to start to not not trust that friend and not um not engage in this deeper conversation with them for fear of them just randomly walking away and not fulfilling your needs um so especially if a horse who um is finding training really reinforcing then randomly walking away can be very negative punishment and can also make the horse quite worried that their behavior may have caused that so they're going to be thinking what behaviour did I do just before they walked away? Um, and then they're going to try to avoid doing that behaviour in order for you to not walk away. For example, in negative reinforcement, if, you're, if your horse does a really good sliding stop and you're working on sliding stops, I know Mustang Maddie's talked about this before, um, if your horse does a really good sliding stop, the best reward may be for you to get off, untack them and put them back out in the field because that's the biggest release if you're working with pressure and release. However, with positive reinforcement, that's often the greatest punishment. And something to think about is if being left alone is the best reward, then how rewarding really is your training? Um, because you don't... I used to um, prescribe to a lot of, you know... I used to think that was the only reward until I realised that... Um, that that's actually quite like not the best relationship to have in my opinion um because you know it does mean that your horse is happiest when you leave and how upsetting is that um when it comes to positive reinforcement and the horses often don't want the session to end which is fantastic so um it's fantastic but it also means that we have to work so the horse is more impartial about training um and it isn't so exciting so the horse has ad, ad lib forage 24 7 um and they also have um, food available equivalent to any um, reinforcers so they're not being coerced into training um, and like I said just like making sure all their needs are met they have all the five freedoms species specific environment and all that um, so they're not being deprived of anything um, you, the last thing you want is for training to be the only enrichment you want to make sure the horse has lots of enrichment in their environment um, and when you do need to take a break what you want to do is you want to make sure that the horse clearly understands um you might want to have a signal for this for example touching a certain target um i just watched a ct video where someone trained the horse to touch a cross when they don't want to be ridden um and they also got the horse to touch the cross at the end of each session so they began to learn that touching the cross meant that the session was over um so yeah it's really important to use a discriminative stimulus discriminate stimulus um when you are taking breaks or starting and ending a session. For my horses, this means I take their neck rope off and may drop a flake of hay on the floor or just let them go out in the field and relax and graze um, for a few minutes. Or you may just choose to hand graze them or, you know, take your pouch off, whatever is your discriminant stimulus that tells the horse the session is over or the session is starting again. 
um, for example, when riding your horse, your riding helmet may be your discriminate stimulus. Um, so it's completely up to you and whatever works best. But it's really important that you have a clear context context cue for when you're training and when you're not. So that the horse doesn't perceive it as negative punishment um, when you're actually taking breaks and you want that to be, you know, fun and relaxing for the horse. Because um, otherwise it can really get them ramped up and they can be really stressed and want the training to carry on um, and be really, really desperate to train the next time because, you know, they're scared that you'll just walk away halfway through um, and they won't have any enrichment. So it's really important, like I keep repeating, to make sure that um, that you make it clear to the horse using, for example, a certain piece of tack, a certain thing in the environment um, to show them that we're taking a break now, but it's okay, the training will continue. Um, here's some enrichment to do you can go off and relax you can do whatever you want um and then obviously when you come back into the session put their neck rope on or whatever then they have the choice to either re-engage with you or not and it's really important to accept their no in this context as well um so that the horse learns that if they do need a longer break they're more than welcome to tell you that um and of course the training is reinforcing so the animal is isn't likely to tell you that but um Sometimes they do want a break and that's really valuable to accept their no because how can a horse truly say yes if they're not allowed to say no? Um, so yeah, um, it's really important that you are not systematic, systematically training every day or at the same time because the horse can begin to predict this and get really over aroused. Um, for example, if you every day at four o'clock after work, you turn up and you train your horse and then you put them back out in the field and you don't see them again until four o'clock the next day, um, when you do another training session you want to make make sure you spend time doing other things this could mean walking together hand grazing doing enrichment activities puzzles or simply chilling out and having casual connection time this can also help with over arousal as i've mentioned before um so yeah always make sure that the horse has like an adequate food source before leaving um and make sure they're going to have forage throughout the day um so yeah that's really important and also access to freedom and friends and shade and water and everything they need um so that they're not so anxious about training um because if their needs aren't being met also if a horse isn't in a stable herd then they're, they're gonna have their learning disrupted so you might think oh it's okay the horse has companions however if those horses have had a history of having to resource guard um then that can be quite stressful for the other horse this is a problem i sometimes face with my horses um and I'm working through it, but Penny does have a history of having to resource guard. Um, so that could be quite stressful for both of them, especially since Izzy um, is on edge about Penny resource guarding a lot of the time. So it gives a lot of calming signals. And this is a sign um, that she's worried about um, Penny resource guarding. Um, and obviously, uh, Penny resource guarding is stressful for her as well. So that's something we've really been working on a lot. Um, I did an episode on, I think it was called... Um, teaching food and stable manners about using punishment um, and I spoke a lot in that about how I'm teaching Penny um, not to resource guard and addressing the function of the behavior rather than just punishing the, sympt the symptoms um, so yeah that's really important and always remember that the last behavior that you do with your horse will be the one that they remember the most for example um, if the last behavior you do with your horse is running at high speed and going over a jump that's the one they're gonna remember the most um, and for some horses who struggle with motivation, that could be a good behaviour to end on. Um, however, for other horses that get really over aroused, it could be good to end um, on a really calm behaviour. Um, and then Jack put that um, just before the end of the session. Um, so that's the most remembered behaviour that's the most solid in their brain. And the next time they start, that will be fresh in their mind and they'll continue doing that behaviour. 
Um, so yeah, that's basically the rundown on generally the best ways to train as a rule of thumb. However, there are obviously times when horses have different needs, um, they've had different past histories, um, and like I said, for over-aroused horses, longer sessions can be better. So on this topic, I want to refer you to um, connection trainings videos on um, when longer training sessions are useful. Um, I've recently watched these videos in the training techniques course, um, but I'm sure they're um, accessible in other areas as well. Um, so yeah, they were really helpful and really interesting. Um, and also proved that, you know, short sessions aren't always the way to go because for some horses that have a history of, um, of, you know, I don't really know how to describe it, but for some anxious horses, you really want to work them for a little bit longer, um, until they're really calm and then, and then you want to jackpot there, um, before the end of the session. However, you really do need to play around and see what works best for your horse, because for some anxious horses, the end of the session, they might get even more heightened, um, and even more stressed, and they may just simply want the session to end. So, um, it can be really good to play around with your horse using both short sessions of lots of breaks and also using um, longer sessions. Obviously, with, with these longer sessions, you still want to incorporate breaks because um, this is often when the horse learns. For example, when I was doing my revision for my exams, um, when we looked into, you know, the best ways to learn, you see lots of graphs of what happens during during breaks is actually when your brain is processing the information and you're actually learning subconsciously. Um, for example, I was doing my geography revision and I was taking a break from it and I couldn't remember the name of a certain case study whilst I was doing it. And I was just walking down the corridor and suddenly I just remembered like, oh, it's the Temple Quarter region. And I wasn't even thinking about it, it just came into my head um, because that's when our brain is subconsciously processing information. Um, so that's why training breaks are really important um, and helping your horse learn. Um, and also, you know, the horse needs to get like have time to refresh and refresh and regulate themselves. For example, with Penny, when she would rear, um, especially with horses who mask emotions, um, I usually find shorter training sessions are the best because with Penny, I was speaking to um, Judith, who's a CT coach about this on a Zoom call not long ago. Um, and Penny does have a tendency to rear because she masks her emotions until they build up to the point where she can't contain them. So that's why it's really important to first of all wait between each cue until she's ready for the next cue and has a chance to reset herself. Um, always make sure using familiar behaviours that she's okay. For example, if I ask to put the saddle on her back um, and, she's, and she says yes, um, but then once I put the saddle on, if I ask her to back up and she says no, that's a sign that she's actually not comfortable because she's not performing a familiar behaviour. Even though she said yes, it may be because she's masking her emotions. Um, so that's why these breaks are really important for her because they give her a chance to, you know, any emotions that have been built up to just relax and just let them dissipate before we start again. So there's less likely to be that build-up of emotion leading to a big rear when she can't contain it anymore. Um, so yeah, it also relates to trigger stacking. Like it allows for the triggers to stop stacking, if you know what I mean. Um, so instead of, instead of you know, like I wasn't too sure about this behavior and then, and then this one got me a bit stressed and then I did this one and I did it a bit wrong and I didn't get the reward and the timing was a bit off and, and I wanted to say no to this, but I didn't know if I could. So I had to say yes and it was really uncomfortable and it all builds up and then there's something, there's scary in the trees and there's a plastic bag blowing across the field and suddenly the horse just explodes. Um, instead of all that building up, it could be, you know, the timing was a bit off on that one, it upset them a bit. So you're just going to relax, take a break and then come back once they've reset. Um, so, you know, it just clears, it clears their mind of any triggers that would stack, um, you know, to kind of prevent those big explosions and make sure you have a base of relaxation. Um, so, yeah, 
Um, like I said though, longer training sessions do work with lots of different horses. Um, it does depend on the type of horse. However, in my experience, I always try to go for short sessions little and often. Um, even with Penny, who does struggle with over-arousal, longer sessions didn't help her. They just got her really frustrated. Um, so it was best to, you know, have lots of breaks and really slow sessions. Um, so, yeah, that's just something to play around with with your horse. Um, definitely check out the resources that I said about CT and the Willing Equine. And I'm sure there's lots of other people who have made... Um, resources on this so also the center of excellence has courses on this specific topic and i have actually got some exciting news i've recently finished my first online diploma in equine psychology um with an overall grade of 93 percent, which was a distinction um which is really exciting so that was my level three uh qls level thingy majiggy i don't know what's called um I've, i'm gonna post a certificate on um my public instagram soon so you'll be able to see that um if you're interested but you might not be um but anyway yeah that's exciting um but yeah so that's about all I have to say on structuring training sessions um but I do want to actually mention before we wrap up um I did mention it briefly but it is really important that you alternate between different behaviors for example Penny um likes a lot of movement so if I ask if I'm asking her to stand still and think about a brain game or for example you know picking up a fetch toy or something that's a lot of thinking involved for her um so to reward that behavior I might go off and let her have a trot around in the reverse round pen or something um however with Izzy she she doesn't like to canter especially like I've never really seen her canter in training we don't have it on cue we do have trot on cue um so for example if I get a good trot from Izzy then next we might go and do a bit of you know fly mask work which is more um is more hard on her brain and it's not physically tiring but it is it's very different and keep it varied and make sure you do um have lots of different behaviors to alternate between um and make sure you plan your sessions as well because you know otherwise you might end up the horse may suddenly throw something throw a spanner in the works and you have no idea what to do and your only opportunity there might be to you know drop a jackpot and leave and then obviously that behavior is going to be the most remembered one that has also been rewarded the most highly um and obviously there are situations where it does get a bit out of control and you do just have to you know give your discriminant stimulus and leave um however when you plan your sessions um this often isn't the case so that's why it's really important um so yeah i think that's about all i have to say to be honest um i will make more episodes on similar topics like how to actually do the practical training in future um so i hope you enjoyed i hope you found it relatable or if it resonated with you i'd really appreciate if you can share it actually i think i already i think i say this in the outro so there's no point in me saying it again um because i recorded the outro a while ago and now i just copy and paste it in for each episode um so i'm sorry if i repeat anything but um but yeah, that's everything I have to say for now. Um, have fun with your training. Um, let me know how your training goes, how it goes when you play around with shorter and longer sessions and let me know what works best for you. It's really interesting to talk about. Um, and let me know if you have any other resources on this, which are quite interesting. I would love to look at them. Um, so yeah, thank you for listening and yeah, bye. Thank you for listening to the AIM Horsemanship podcast. If you'd like to follow me on Instagram, my Instagram is underscore.a.i.m.underscore.horsemanship underscore where I post lots of videos of the horses and what we're doing. Um, I also have a YouTube, capital A-I-M underscore horsemanship. Um, 
and if you would like to check out any handmade crafts or personalised gifts please check out Creations of Cornwall on Facebook. If you enjoyed this episode or found it relatable or helpful in any way I'd really appreciate if you could follow the podcast and share it so that other people can hear it. Thank you for listening and I hope to see you next time on the AIM Horsemanship Podcast.